One day he got into a boat. One day he got into a boat. You know, in view of all the recent tragic events that have taken place this past week, whether it be in Paris, whether it be in other parts of the world, or maybe in view of things that took place in your own family this past week, or your own marriage, your own relationships, maybe in view of what has been taking place within your own job situation, sometimes we wonder, does Jesus care? Does he care? Does he love? Does God love us? Does he love me? Amidst all the brokenness of my own heart, my own shame, my own guilt, the sin, the demons of my past, the demons of my present, does he love? Does he care? If you ever wonder or question if Jesus loves you, remember the words, one day he got into a boat. Join me in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. Luke, chapter 8. Verses 22 through 40 is where we're going to be this morning. We continue our series in the Gospel and through the Gospel of Luke that you may know Jesus. And we heard this morning from Christian sharing his story of how Jesus pursued him and used an individual in his life to bring him to the point to his need to see that he needed Jesus to rescue him, to set him free. Follow along with me as I read in Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 40. One day he, Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing And Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said to them, Where's your faith? And they were afraid, and they marveled, saying to one another, Who is this that he commands even winds and water, and they obey him? Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on the land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for many a time it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, legion, and that refers to thousands, for many demons had entered him. And they begged Jesus not to command them to depart into the, into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter these, so he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, 
clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them, asked Jesus to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear. So he, Jesus, got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. Now, as we read Luke's gospel, if you're new to this gospel, you need to understand that Luke, the author, is writing to a, a friend of his named Theophilus. Theophilus is a Gentile. Um, and, and the whole purpose of Luke writing is so that this guy, Theophilus, will know with certainty who this Jesus is. And so as we read Luke's report of this event in Jesus' life, we need to try to read it as if we're Theophilus, and we need to understand that he's writing it about Jesus. So the focus here is not the storm. The focus here is not the disciples' response. The focus here is not even this guy, this crazy naked guy living in tombs. He's not the focus. The focus here is Jesus. He's the focus. And so as we come to this event in Jesus' life, Luke wants to reveal something to his friend Theophilus and to us about this Jesus. And up to this point in the life of Jesus, as Luke records it, Jesus has been preaching to hundreds, thousands. Gospel writer Mark says that Jesus actually told the disciples to go get a boat because the crowds were so huge it was as if they were going to crush he and his disciples. So Jesus tells the disciples, go get a boat. Go get a boat. And I have to confess to you, as I got into this passage, I had the fullest intent of studying and sharing with you this morning about the storm. That was where I was going. I, I began to study it, and the more I got into it, and the more I began to ask questions about why Jesus did what, I, what he did, I said, the question I kept, why did Jesus get into the boat? Why did he get into the boat? And Luke answers that for us. Because he wants us to see something about Jesus. And we're going to come back to the storm, to Jesus calming the storm. But I have to tell you that as I studied, I couldn't get past verse 22. I couldn't get past the very act of Jesus when it says that one day he, Jesus, got into a boat. I believe that's possibly one of the most loving actions of Jesus ever recorded in Scripture. And I want to share with you why. One day, Jesus got into a boat. If you ever wonder if Jesus loves you and you're chasing the kids around the house and you're about ready to go crazy and you're like, does Jesus love me? Remember, one day he got into a boat. If you're wondering, I don't know what's going on with my job situation or the tragedy of losing a loved one or whatever it might be at this time of year, those things come up and, and those emotions start to resurface and you wonder, does Jesus love me? Remember, one day he got into a boat. There's something about Jesus getting into this boat that reveals a quality, a characteristic about who this Jesus is. I believe Luke wants to reveal to us this morning that Jesus not only loves us, Jesus not only cares, he actually pursues us with a pursuing love. I wanted to share a few observations from this this morning. The first is the act of Jesus' pursuing love. You read it right there in verse 22. It says, one day he, Jesus, got into a boat. That's amazing. Jesus gets into a boat. Why does he get into the boat? Luke tells us. Look at verse 26 and 27. 
Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. For a long time he had worn no clothes and he had not lived in a house, but among the tombs. You see, Jesus gets into the boat and sets sail seven miles to the other side of Galilee because there's one guy, one guy that needs him. There's one guy who's oppressed by Satan, possessed by Satan, oppressed by his own sin. His life is a mess as a result. He's a social outcast. He's the one guy that no one will go after. Jesus goes after him. Jesus goes after him. Jesus gets into this boat, endures the storm with a bunch of doubting, needy disciples for one guy. For one guy. People are afraid of this guy. This guy's living in tombs. I mean, he's an absolute mess. He needs to be set free with the gospel, and Jesus pursues him. He goes after him. He gets into the boat. Jesus is about people. Listen, if you follow Jesus and you're going to be like Jesus, you need to be about people. And we need to not only be about the many, we need to be about the one because the end of the story is that one guy that Jesus sets free. Jesus says, hey, don't come with me. I want you to stay. Go home. Tell everybody what I've done for you. Actually, the guy doesn't just go home. He goes to the city and starts announcing to people what Jesus has done for him. So through one man, Jesus reached a city. Jesus gets into the boat for one guy. How do we know it's just this one guy? Look at verses 35 through 37. Then people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they're afraid. And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people surrounding, um, then all of the people of the surrounding country of the Gadarenes asked Jesus to leave, for they're afraid. So what's Jesus do? He gets into the boat and goes back to where he came from. And then verse 40, Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Listen, Jesus gets into this boat. He sets sail. He encounters a violent storm with a bunch of fearful disciples of who I am like. As soon as they get through the storm, they set sail, or they land on the opposite side of the Sea of Galilee, approaching Jesus as one crazy, sin-possessed, sin-oppressed guy who needs to be set free, and Jesus sets him free, and what's Jesus do? People say, leave. Jesus gets back on the boat and goes back to where he came from. One guy. One guy who needed the gospel. One guy who needed to be set free. And as I was reading that, I was just... I was blown away by the love of Jesus. I was just, I couldn't get past it. I just could not get past that Jesus pursues this one guy who needed him and he sets him free. It's, this is a beautiful picture of grace. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel because you and I are that guy on the other side of Galilee. You and I are him apart from Jesus. Paul said this, separate from Jesus, we are following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in sons of disobedience. And then Jesus said this to Paul about telling Paul, here's what I want you to do. Here's your mission. He says, I am sending you, Acts chapter 26, to open their eyes so that they may turn 
so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Listen, apart from Jesus, Scripture says we are bound in chains of our own sin under the banner, under the kingdom of Satan himself, the archenemy of Jesus. That's what Scripture says. Now, you may not look and act like this crazy guy. All right, your sin may be a little bit more refined, but it's still sin. And we're no different. Just our expressions of sin look different than His. He is bound by His sin. And apart from grace, apart from the gospel, apart from the cross, apart from the resurrection, we are Him. But what's beautiful about this is that Jesus, for this one, got into the boat. He got into the boat. And just like He willingly got into the boat, Jesus willingly got onto the cross. He got onto the cross willingly, Jesus says. And there he would take upon himself the storms of your judgment, the storms of my judgment for your sin and me. And there by his death he would free us from the oppression of sin, free us from the oppression of Satan. He would set us free, bring us back into relationship with himself for those who trust him. And he just pulled us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of the sun. Why? Because not only did Jesus get into the boat, Jesus got onto the cross. We're him. We're this guy. And John, who was one of the disciples in the boat with Jesus that day, said this. He said, this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the substitute sacrifice for our sins. It's because of Jesus' pursuing love that he gets into this boat and pursues this man who needs to be set free from sin. And it's because of the pursuing love of Jesus that he got onto the cross so that he could set you and set me free from our chains of sin. And so you can sit here this morning forgiven, free, right with God forever, a child of God forever, a co-heir with Jesus, fully accepted by God himself, free from his judgment over your sin, no longer condemned for, for, for your sin, all because Jesus not only got into the boat, but Jesus got onto the cross. That's his love. That's a pursuing love. Does Jesus love us? Absolutely. Absolutely. How do you know he got into the boat? He got into the boat. And not only to get into the boat, he got on the cross to set us free from sin. So when you look at this guy, see yourself, and then see the grace that Jesus comes to him. Well, why does Jesus do this? Why does he come? Why does he go across the lake to this guy? The second observation is the motive for Jesus' pursuing love. We don't really see it, or Luke doesn't state it specifically here in this passage, but he did prior in previous chapters. In Luke chapter 4, Luke tells us that, records Jesus saying, Listen, I was sent from the Father to proclaim liberty to the captives, to set free those who are being oppressed by sin. So Jesus goes to this guy because this is Jesus' mission. This is why he came. He came to set you free from sin. That's why he came. He has come to set this guy free from the kingdom of darkness and bring him into his kingdom, the kingdom of light. So he goes because Jesus said, I'm the son of man who has come to seek and to save those who are lost. I pursue. That's what I do. That's what love does. Real love pursues. Jesus goes after this guy because it's why he came. Listen, Jesus walks onto the dock, gets a boat, Walks onto the dock, gets a boat, throws his disciples in the boat, unties the ropes, puts the ropes inside the boat, 
grabs the oars, they start rowing seven miles. Seven miles. Now, I've done the rowing thing. That's not an easy seven miles of rowing. That's serious. Get a storm going, more serious. Okay? They did it. Jesus went through it. Why? Because he loves. He pursues. He pursues this one guy who needs to be set free. The one guy in the community no one would dare approach. Jesus goes after. Because that's what Jesus does. Jesus pursues. He's come to seek and to save those who are lost. It's his mission, but he goes because also it's who he is. It's not only his mission, it's who he is. He's love. First John, guy who was in the boat with Jesus that day, said this. He said, God is love. Jesus is God, therefore Jesus is love. You know what's in the boat? Love is in the boat. That's awesome. Love is in the boat. Love is pursuing this guy with an everlasting, eternal, forgiving, freeing love. Love is in the boat. Makes me think of love boat. Those of you who are old enough, right? Remember that show, The Love Boat? The Love Boat. Anyway, tangent. Sorry about that. Okay, the love, this is the love boat going, and it's going toward this guy who's in desperate need of Jesus. And Jesus knows it, so he goes because he is love. Matthew says that Jesus had compassion on people, and he would touch their eyes because he was compassionate, and he, immediately they would receive their sight and follow him. The gospel writer Mark says this, when Jesus would land, he would see a large crowd, and he'd have compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus comes to this guy. Now, I grew up in a musical family, and I think I've shared this before. Sometimes our family would be invited by other churches to give musical concerts. And I was a teenager at this time, so you can imagine me getting dressed up in a suit or a tux to go do this musical concert with my family at churches. Not really one of the most thrilling highlights of my childhood, but we did it. We were the, family, we were the Jones family singers. We even had like a little tape with our family picture on it. All the boys are in tuxedos, the girls are in blue dresses. No, no lie. All right, so we would go do this and I really didn't sing much. It was me, it was my mom, my, my dad, and my sister. They were beautiful, amazing. I was just along to like run sound if they needed it. Right, that's kind of my job. I Maybe, they, you know, all right, let's get Mark in here so he doesn't feel too bad. So maybe he sang this little chorus thing that we did. But there was a song that my parents sang. And, and as I was studying this, and I can tell you, I, I don't think I've thought of this song since those days. But for whatever reason, I believe the Holy Spirit was moving in me and bringing back these memories as a result of this passage. And it was a song titled, He Came to Me, by Squire Parsons. All right, back in the day. It was entitled, He Came to Me. And so I Googled it and I looked up the lyrics. I'm like, man, the lyrics of this song are just so profound and so relevant for this guy's story, for my story. Because it expresses the love of Jesus. And you see it on the screen here, some of the lyrics. It says, the gulf that separated me from Christ. Envision this, this guy is saying this. This guy on the other side of the lake, he's saying, the gulf that separated me from Christ, my Lord. It was so vast, the crossing I could never afford. From where I was to his domain, it seemed so far. I cried, dear Lord, I cannot come to where you are. So what's Jesus do? Don't you love He came to me. That's huge, guys. It's amazing. Grace is what that is. That he came to me. I couldn't come to him. I'm a mess. I can't, I'm under sin. I'm under the oppression. And Jesus has come to me. We're going to celebrate that in just a, another month and a half. The fact that Jesus has come to me. 
He's come to us. Christmas, He's come. I've cried out, dear Lord, I cannot come to where you are. He came to me. Oh, He came to me. And when I could not come, I can just envision my parents seeing this. When I could not come to where He was, He came to me. That's why He died on Calvary. When I could not come to where He was, He came to me. That is mercy. That is grace. That is love. Does Jesus love? Absolutely. Does Jesus care? Absolutely. How do you know? He got into the boat. He got into the boat. And he got on the cross. That's the kind of king he is. That's the kind of savior he is. That's the kind of leader he is. That's a Jesus I want to follow with the rest of my life. A guy who will get into a boat for one. That's the kind of guy I want to follow. And maybe you're like this guy, man. You're just messed up. you got demons of your own. Demons of your past, of your sin, of your shame. Whatever it might be. Demons of your present. You just feel so guilty and dirty and filthy. And you go, does Jesus love me? Just remember, Jesus got into the boat. And then he got on the cross. He loves you. He loves me. And we wonder in the tragic things and events that have taken place, does Jesus care? Does Jesus love? Yes. Yes, he does. He loves with pursuing love. And if you ever wonder if he loves you, remember Jesus Got into the boat, he got on the cross, he loves you. And I can't help but think Theophilus reads this, this Gentile, and he's going, wow, up to this point, Jesus has been all about the Jews and all this, does he love me? And he sees Jesus going after this one guy, and I can just imagine Theophilus going, yeah, that's me, I'm that guy, Jesus did that for me, he did that for me, Jesus came for me. He came to set me free, to forgive me. You can just imagine him as he's reading this going, wow, what love, what amazing love. And so we see this act of Jesus pursuing love. And then this morning as I was reading through it again, God's brought to me another observation that I think we've got to hit here. Here I think Luke reveals to us that Jesus here has the power over evil. He has the power over evil. This guy has thousands of demons going on in his life. The name Legion. Evil incarnated is this guy. You know what Jesus does? This guy comes up to him. Jesus says a one word, maybe two, maybe three, sets him free. Demons are scared of Jesus. They're scared of him. What's that tell you? Jesus has a power and authority over evil. Over evil. He said this, Jesus says this, John 16, 33, I've overcome the world. You will have tribulation in this world, but I've overcome the world. John would say this later in his epistle. He said, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And listen, we wonder, we look at these events and we go, where's Jesus? Listen, there is coming a day when Jesus is going to come back and he's not going to be on a boat. He's going to be on a horse and he's going to come back. He's going to make everything right and he's going to judge evil. He's going to wipe out evil and there's going to come a day when there's going to be no more pain, no more crying, no more suffering, nothing. That's our Jesus. And he's coming back. And one day he's going to get rid of it all. He's going to make it all new again. And for now, what Jesus does is He changes us. He doesn't reform us. He transforms us through His grace and through the Gospel. Because the problem is not necessarily what we watch on TV. The problem is of the heart. And Jesus knows that. And if you're going to see change, you've got to see transformation. And that's got to come through transformation of the heart. And that can only come through the person of grace and mercy and forgiveness and freedom that comes through the person of Jesus Christ. 
and his cross and his resurrection. And Jesus reveals that he has power over evil. And as I was reading this this morning, the great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, came to my mind. I was like, a mighty, and I just started singing it in my bedroom as I'm looking at, didn't have that point, just started singing it. Yeah, and I looked up the lyrics, I'm like, that strong. That's my Jesus, right? I mean, listen to some of these. Martin Luther wrote this, wrote this back in the day, and he says, we're not the right man on our side, that the man of God's own choosing. We ask who that would be, Christ Jesus, it is he. From age to age, the same, and he must win the battle. Verse 3, is a, it's a kicker. Listen. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph, his truth, Jesus. I'm the way, the truth hath willed his truth to triumph through us, the prince of darkness grim. We tremble not for him. His rage we can't endure, for lo, his doom doom is sure. One little word of Jesus will fell the enemy. Jesus. And we see it here with this, man, with this man, Jesus, reveals that he has the power over evil. He has overcome the world. And so this morning, what we have to do is we say, wow, it's a transformation of heart. People need the gospel. They need Jesus. You might take this the wrong way, but i got to tell you what I was thinking. I was watching those, the, the, the scenes on television. I thought of the attackers, honestly. No, that's someone's son. That's someone's brother. And I got to think, what if someone had maybe pursued them with the, with the gospel, with the hope of Jesus? Maybe. I don't know. Jesus went to the one guy, the one guy that no one would go to. Jesus gets into a boat, pursuing love, goes to him, sets him free. The guy's sitting there at the feet of Jesus in his right mind. Wanting to be with Jesus, and Jesus, go. I pursued you, now you go pursue people, and you tell them everything that I've done for you. That's love. That's love. And we see, finally, the response of this man toward this pursuing love of Jesus. Does Jesus love us? Does Jesus care? Absolutely. How do you know? He got into a boat. And look at this guy. Jesus cleans him up from the inside out. Demons are gone. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Clothed, good thing, and in his right mind. And they were, the people are afraid. You know who they're afraid of? They're afraid of Jesus. That's what it said. If you keep reading, they're afraid of Jesus. (laughs) Wouldn't you be? I'm like, whoa, this guy has incredible power over evil. This guy, look at his response. He's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. He's transformed from the inside out. Paul said this, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This guy has changed. He's different. His mind is different. His body is different. What he's doing is different. Jesus is now the focus of this guy's life. Listen, when Jesus transforms you from the inside out, you will be different. You will look different. You will talk different. You will act different. You will see your money differently. You will see your job differently. You will see your marriage differently. You will see family differently. You will see the world differently when Jesus transforms you from the inside out. Listen, when you encounter and receive the pursuing love of Jesus, you cannot stay the same. It's like a caterpillar to a butterfly. If you're in Jesus, you're a butterfly. I know as a guy, I like, was singing, I'm like, that's kind of weird. You're a masculine butterfly. Get over it, all right? 
That's what Jesus does. He just, there's no like, oh yeah. I mean, there's no sign that he was a caterpillar before. He's completely different. Metamorphosis, that's what the gospel does. It changes you. It tra- that's what it did with this guy. And what's he doing? His response is not only is he transformed from the inside out, he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. See, when the gospel changes you, when Jesus transforms you, you know where you want to be? You want to be, you want to be in the presence of the one who saved you. You want to be in his presence. You want to sit at his feet. You want to soak him in. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And it says later that the man from whom the demons had gone, he begged that he might be with Jesus. He begged that he might be with Jesus. Ask yourself, how badly do I want to spend time with Jesus? How badly do you want to spend time with Jesus? This one who got into a boat, got onto a cross for you. What love. And what's amazing this morning is that we can not spend any time with Jesus or very little time with Jesus, and it doesn't change one bit how much he loves you. It's grace. It's amazing grace. But this guy is healed. He's cleaned up inside out. Gospel changes life, and he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And then another response is not only is he transformed from the inside out, not only is he pursuing Jesus, the presence of Jesus, and I pray you are doing the same. Another response is he pursues people with the gospel. And we see that in verse 39. And he goes away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done. Jesus told him, just go home. Those guys like, forget that. I'm going to the city. I got to tell the world what Jesus has done for me. And if you and I aren't telling people about Jesus, it's because we've forgotten what Jesus has done for us. I've said it here before. Until you are moved by the gospel, you won't move out with the gospel. And so we have to check our hearts say, when was the last time I was really moved by the gospel? Moved by what Jesus has done for me? The cross. And so this guy goes and pursues people with the gospel. We're coming up upon one of my favorite scenes of the year, seasons of the year, which happens to be one of my favorite movies of the year, which is Elf. Remember that scene when like, he's out with the, the, Josie, right? And he's out and he's just like, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it. Remember that scene? If you haven't seen it, I'm just like a fool to you. Okay, But if you have seen it, you know that scene where he's like, he goes on the street, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it. Right? right? I mean, listen, Jesus has set you free. You're accepted, fully accepted in Jesus. He set you free. He's in love with you. And I wonder if he's going, I'm in love, and I'm, and I'm in love with you, and I don't care who knows it. That's what he's saying over you, child of God. That's what he's saying over you. And this guy was transformed by the person of Jesus Christ. How and why? Because Jesus got into a boat. Does Jesus care? I'm going to ask the band to come up at this time. Does Jesus care? Does he love you? Does he care about your situation in life? Your shame, the guilt? Listen, if you're here apart from Jesus this morning and you're wallowing in that shame and that guilt of your past, of your own sin, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus and received your, the freedom that comes in Jesus, that forgiveness that comes in Jesus, that cleaning that comes from Jesus, now, in this moment, call out to Him and just say, Jesus, set me free. And He will. And he will. What's your response to Jesus this morning? What's your response? 
Man, if you're here and you're wondering, does Jesus care? Does Jesus love? Does he love me? Does he care about my family? Does he care about what's going on with my kids? Does he care about what's going on with me at work? Does he care about what's going on in my family, in my relationships, or my lack of relationships? Does he care? Does he love? Listen, Jesus got into a boat. That's love. That's grace. Oh, what love the Father has lavished on us this morning. Look at me. Everybody. Everyone look at me. Listen to me. Jesus loves you. He absolutely, incredibly, relentlessly loves you. He got into a boat. He got onto a cross. He's alive and he's coming back. What love. What love. Let's stand. And can we sing this as our heart song back to him this morning? The Savior, the King, the leader who got into a boat for you, for me. Let's sing it together.